0: Good morning, everyone. Guys, good to see you today. Welcome to Fellowship of Faith. Those of you who don't know me, my name is David Gadini, pastor here on staff. Just great to have you gathered. And we are, like Gwen said, going through the series on six Hebrew words that give us insight into the heart, the character, and the nature of God and what He's up to in this world. Before I get to that, though, I want to give a couple of shout outs this morning. Yesterday, from about 9 to maybe noon or 1 p.m., these grounds were teeming with many of you that were here doing our spring cleanup day, and I just want to give a shout out to a lot of you guys because I'll tell you, Crystal Lake Road, it looks great. The Fellowship of Faith grounds, it looks great. The dead trees I've been staring at all winter, they're gone. The burn pile is down from 45 feet to like ash, all right? The The Stepping Stones room, toys have been sanitized, things are getting refurnished, people were out cleaning that painstakingly, all the construction dust that's been everywhere. Just bury your nose into a chair and breathe deep, because vacuumed and clean and wonderful. Can we just give a hand to everyone? I mean, honestly, from people picking up garbage to picking up sticks to chainsawing trees to to shoveling gravel into potholes in our driveway to cleaning toys to cleaning in here, we had students out here. I think I saw people as young as like 10 and 11 that were helping clean, maybe even younger. And if you were, fantastic. I saw people on the other end of the spectrum, deep into the AARP years, here and helping and cleaning. And uh, honestly, guys, Tina and I went home and we talked about it. And it it was pretty amazing because we, we live on some land and there's a lot of this like maintenance we have to do. And I saw this church on 20 acres do in one morning what typically takes like my family and our limited size plot like eight years to do, I swear. And so, honestly, Made a huge difference yesterday, not just for this church community, but for our general community who's driving by on the road, who's coming in here. Again, one more time. I'm just giving it up. Way to go. Second thing that I want to shout out here today, and hopefully you received the email. Did you get the email that I put out either early this morning or the one that came out Friday? We have just opened an online FOF store. For a long time, we have been giving away, you know, T-shirts and selling FOF merch and those kinds of things. And we decided to get into the 20th century and move it online. All right? So, and yes, I know it's the 21st century. You missed the joke. Um, We've decided to move the bulk of it online. If you're not getting our emails here, I really encourage you to do so. Hop on our website and just sign up for our e-news. We don't bombard you. We don't spam you. We don't like sell your information or stuff like that. But it will keep you connected to, to the life and activities and, and, and things that we're doing here at Fellowship of Faith. Um, but if you did get it, hop on. Or just go to our website, fellowshipoffaith.org. In fact, I'd even encourage you, maybe just do it now. Pull out your phone. Go to fellowshipoffaith.org. Right there on the homepage, you're going to see a big gigantic, like, what they call feature card or button that you can push. And it'll just bring you to our, uh, our shop online store where if you're looking to get FOF t-shirts or hoodies or boulder t-shirts or hoodies, if you're looking to get travel mugs and things like that, um, You can do it easily it's you know no more scrambling to get like the last medium size right no more oh they're out of the color i want you'll have more varieties and things like that here's 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 the deal on it though it is only open for limited windows of time and the basic reason why is that if we can order in bulk it keeps the cost down to you i don't know about you i'd rather spend fifteen dollars for a t-shirt than thirty dollars for a t-shirt agreed And so by doing limited runs and getting a lot of people to order at one time, of course, it keeps those prices down. So the store is open through April 25th. That's this Sunday through next Sunday, it remains open. So I'd encourage you, don't delay on this. We will open it again in the fall, I'm sure, but it's only for little seasons. We will still have a limited supply of stuff available here but again, it's a limited supply, just, you know, remainder colors and, and remainder sizes and stuff like that. I feel like I always, when I do these announcements, i got to give freebies away. So I do got a couple of t-shirts if anyone wants one. This is an XL, but you can swap it out. Who wants one of these? All right, there you go. Now i got an old school t-shirt here. All right, we're going to get that into there by you. And uh, that's that. Now, sorry, one more thing. We partner with this firm called Thrivent. Have you heard of it? It's a nonprofit financial institution that, that for years has been doing charitable things and also investment things for the Lutheran Church and, and, and now more of a pan Christian kind of reach. And they give away for service projects we do. I, I got to tell you, phenomenal. T shirts. Have you ever gotten one of the Live Generously T shirts? I mean, the material is great. The colors are great. And every time we host one of these service projects and get a a, a, a thriving sponsor, they send us like a bucket of shirts. I mean, just a literal bucket it comes in. They send us this like box of shirts, and we are swimming in thriving shirts. On your way out today, if you just peek into our front office, okay, as you're walking out, just turn right first and go into the front office, you are going to see a selection of hundreds of different sizes and colors of these Thriving shirts. Can I ask you a favor this morning? Would you take one? Or two? Or three? I mean, don't take 50, you know, let, let, let share the wealth, but you want to take them for you, for your family. You want to get ahead of Christmas shopping this year, and your kids are just like, oh, Thriving shirts peek in, they're all yours. Now, finally, when you came in today, you probably sat on one of these. We got some free decals for you. You know, I shared in the email, I I do, I love this church. I, I love this church, and it's exciting for me to share it with other people, to talk about it with other people, to get the word out. And of course, that happens best in conversations, with people, but there's little things you can do at times, just wearing a t-shirt or a sticker on a car or on your laptop or your thermos or something like that, that just can serve as a talking point. And so we have these decals for you that if you want them, great, throw it on your laptop or car or whatever surface you want to put it on. But uh, when we got these printed, Steve brought them in and he showed them to the staff originally. And we're like, these are so Cool, right? And we just like love the style, but but like half of us on staff, this is embarrassing, but we couldn't figure out how to put them on. I mean, it's like, so is it a sticker? And we just peel, and Steve is like just sitting here, and you ever get that look from someone? You know, it's like, are are, are you kidding me? So we decided this morning for you, we are going to have a tutorial by Steve of how to properly apply a Fellowship of Faith decal. Can we welcome Steve to the stage today?
1: Can you hand me that mic? Okay, so... I don't think you're on. Not on. Am I on? Am I on? There we are. There we go. Okay, so rather than me do it, he struggled with it. So we're (laughs) going to do it... What, there's another practice opportunity it, it for you. It is,
0: it is. I need the practice, yeah. So
1: we're just going to put it on this guitar case. And so you're going to peel. No, then I st-
0: can't promise this is going to be straight.
1: It's okay. It's you're okay. Sure? Yeah. How, so, do I, how do I peel this well, thing? Well, I have very little fingernails, and I can still get it. So. He's got nails.
0: Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> Here. Steve <laughs> you get, you get is it? going to demonstrate.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Seriously, how do you get under there?
1: I need Barbie here.
0: So have someone with nails. Ah, Steve. trying. <laughs> Steve's worst nightmare being realized before his eyes. Okay, hey, here we go. Here we go. Let's give Steve a hand. All right, all right.
1: As you can see, there is a paperback, and then there's a plastic back. So you're going to take that off. I'm going to ask you to hold that. We're just going to take this. We're gonna stick it right here. So imagine this is your car window, and it looks really cool. So then take this thing, and you're gonna do this. And probably don't use Windex, because they, in the note, they're like, ah, it leaves, a, it leaves like a film. So rubbing alcohol is what they recommend. If you've got some, or you've got nail polish remover, don't do, don't do that, but.
0: Exactly, exactly. And it looks
1: really good. Like if you've got tinted windows, like mine is the only one right now that has it because I'm proud. Like I want to know when I'm out driving McHenry, Woodstock, whatever, oh, they go to Fellowship of Faith. I'm going to honk at them and maybe like tell them to speed up or something, you know? (laughs) But I can do that because we're friends. Good?
0: Good, I think we're good. Okay, and in fairness this morning, it was the second step, right? I mean, that second step. who who would have seen the second step coming? I mean, honestly. It's like he did that, and it was like miracles being done before my eyes. So, you know, you you have them right there. If if there's some left around, and you want like one or two or three, because you want one for your car, you want one for your laptop, whatever it happens to be, don't be shy. You can grab some here. We have some extra at the Welcome Center on your way out, or at the info table on your way out, if you want to pick a few extra up and distribute them, or just, uh, and use them, and just, uh, you know, if you're proud of your church, if you love your church, if you want to get the word out, it's just a little thing you can do to, uh, it's got to kind of share and enjoy and, and revel in that a little bit. makes sense? We all, we all clear? We good on the store? We good on the decal? We, all right. All right. So, a little bit of review. Last week, I introduced you to the first of six Hebrew words that we are going to be looking at as we round out our journey through Isaiah this coming spring. Of course, the Old Testament, which includes the prophet Isaiah, was originally written in the Hebrew language. And there are six words that I want to share with you, the first of which I shared last week, that that, that are, dare I say, load-bearing words. They serve as mind anchors, meaning that if you get this, this word down, albeit an ordinary everyday Hebrew word, it nonetheless can kind of serve as a mind anchor for ideas, concepts, and ways to approach your relationship with God, and to understand his relationship with you. And the word that I shared with you last week, do you remember it? Ahava. Right? Right? It conveys what it means. Ahava. That God is Ahava. That perhaps the Apostle John, who was the Ahavad of God, if he was to speak in his old school Hebrew tongue instead of the Greek that he wrote the New Testament letter in might have said that God is Ahava, God is love, and that you shall Ahava Yahweh your God. Ahav him with all your lavav, your heart, with all your, your nephesh, your soul, with all your ode, right? Your might, your strength, that God is Ahava. God is love. God is love today we have a second word that I want to share with you. Here it is. Chesed. In English, we don't have a letter that gives us a good sound, do we? It just makes you sound sick or weird, but in Hebrew they do. And so what we see in English is chesed, is pronounced chesed, and of course you know what's coming next. Give me a chesed this morning. Yeah, you got it. And of course, you have to do it because we're so proud of ourselves, you know, us Anglos, right? It's like, chesed, you know? It's like, yeah, strut my stuff with some chesed this morning. It's fun to say, isn't it? Chesed, God is chesed. Yahweh is chesed. Chesed is one of these amazing words that gives us a conceptual field of, of the wonder and beauty and majesty and power and goodness of God. And it is a very difficult word to translate. Let me give you an example here this morning. I'm going to share with you what is probably the most well-known chapter out of the entire Old Testament. It is known and even remembered in part by Christians and non-Christians alike. I find that even those who are the furthest from God, who don't believe in God, who, well, have never been to church or studied the scriptures or anything, even they tend to know this chapter at least in part. It's actually a song. It was sung originally. I wish I knew the melody. It's lost to us. But it's a song that I bet you know, and it begins like this. Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. Do you know this? Song or psalm. 23, Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And I'll tell you this this morning, no matter how modern of a church we might be, he will always maketh me, right? Because it's like the Lord's Prayer. If you don't say, thy kingdom come, it's just weird, isn't it? Your kingdom come, suddenly we all get King James here really quick. So the way I remember it and it's probably the way you hear it, he will always maketh me to lie down in green pastures and leadeth me beside still waters he restores my soul he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's not yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. No, it's King James, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Don't panic, Isaiah says. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. We know the song is this familiar to you. If not, that's okay. But pay attention to the next funeral you go to. Read the little prayer cards they hand out. Listen to what a minister or even just some random speaker might say. And something tells me that you have come at some point into contact with this song. But let's finish it up here today because we've left one verse Hanging, right? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and. You sure on that? Surely, goodness and mercy, you went with, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You have just revealed something. You are so, so shaped by the King James tradition because the King James Bible, of course, has surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And of course, those modern translations that follow in the spirit and the lineage of the King James, maybe you use the RSV once in your life. Maybe you use the NRSV. Maybe you use the ESV. All that come from that family tree, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. But start slumming around in some other translations and let me show you some alternates that you'll get. The NIV, the CEV, the message does it this way as well. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. The NLT, the New Living Translation, surely goodness and unfailing love will follow me all the days of my life. The ISV does it this way, surely goodness and gracious love. And the LEB does it this way, surely goodness and loyal love will follow me all the days of my life. But maybe some of you are like, I'm an old school NASB or the NET. Surely goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life. But even the NASB decided to contemporize a little bit more in 1995 and changed it to this. Along with the ASV, which is eight billion years old, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And it keeps going on. The YLT, surely goodness and kindness. The CSB, surely goodness and faithful love. And my favorite of all of them is the Orthodox Jewish Bible translated into English. They just keep it original. Surely tov and chesed will follow me all the days of my life, but it actually puts some Hebrew in there too. Because what stands behind this word you know, mercy, as you shouted it out, or all these other varieties, is surely goodness and chesed will follow me all the days of my life. That this poet sings out, that David sings out, Yahweh, your goodness and your chesed. Whatever that means, your goodness and your chesed. They're going to stick to me. They're going to cling to me. They're going to follow me around. They're going to haunt me like my shadow. They will not be separated from me. They will be upon me. Your chesed, O Yahweh, all the days of my life. Yahweh is chesed. How do we translate this amazing Hebrew word? You will not find one way translated in the Bible. And even within one translation, you will not find one way that this word is always translated. Because those who do this kind of thing and wrestle with these kinds of words say, this is almost an untranslatable word. Because any single word we give it in English just doesn't quite seem to do it justice. Because at one level, chesed is love. It flows from a spirit of love. But love is not enough to describe what chesed is because chesed also comes with loyalty and commitment. We can feel in love and out of love but behind it often stands loyalty and commitment, regardless of what we find. And yet simply to say loyalty or commitment doesn't do it justice either, because it misses the spirit of the loyalty or commitment, which is being poured out. And so translations have, failed, have struggled with things like your loyal love, Your undying love, your faithful love, and everything in between. And of course, where there is love and commitment, mercy flows, as the King James has just revealed, right? And so God's mercy is upon us. How do we boil down this amazing word, chesed? I've heard Old Testament scholars often opine it this way, though I've never seen this in translation. I've heard them say things like this. Maybe the best way to put it is covenantal faithfulness. The problem is it just doesn't flow in poetry. Surely his goodness and covenantal faithfulness, I mean, it's like we just switched into a dissertation, right? But it kind of captures what it means. Love, loyalty, commitment, or covenantal faithfulness that God is faithful to the covenant that he makes, that God is good as his word, that when God speaks it will be true, that what God has promised he will carry out and do so from a spirit of Ahava that marks who he is. Psalm 23 in the scriptures, and of course Isaiah himself declare Yahweh. Yahweh is chesed. Yahweh is chesed. And if you'll go with me this morning, you'll find that that means everything. Let me show you this example that comes out of the prophet Isaiah. This is from Isaiah chapter 54. Look at what Yahweh says through the prophet. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says Yahweh, your Redeemer. Have you ever felt as though God were angry with you? Or that God maybe has hidden his face from you? That you're like, kind of, what's up in this relationship here? God, you're not alone. The people of God have been, have been facing, the struggling with this and asking this for, for millennia. And God himself says, no, in a surge of anger, Israel, I handed you over. I handed you over to Babylon. I handed you over to exile. I said, fine, have it your way. I let your city be taken. I let you be overthrown. I hid my face for you in a moment. But with chesed, interesting how it puts it here, everlasting kindness, it translates it, but with chesed, I will have compassion on you. Says Yahweh your Redeemer. And then Isaiah sets up an analogy to help us understand how God's face hiding, how God's anger, how those times of judgment from God work, work and juxtapose themselves against his ahava and his chesed. He says, Kind of to me, Yahweh is saying, like, to me, it's like the days of Noah. Do you remember the story of Noah's ark? In Genesis 6, it says that wickedness had increased on the land to the point that God came to a point of regret and that God even repented. Do you know that God repents? The Old Testament says he does. That God repented of making humanity because he saw that in humanity, every inclination of their heart was only evil. That God had a dream to make something beautiful and wonderful and good and to be in relationship with it. And he saw what it became and he was filled with regret over the horror and evil that he was was responsible for propagating. Namely us, humans, in this world. You should read the story if you haven't in a while, if you don't remember it. But there was a man who was considered blameless, who was considered righteous, his name was Noah. And Yahweh comes to him. And if I can use Isaiahic language right now, he says something like this I am going to hide my face. I am going to judge the earth. I don't think we need to soft-pedal it. I bet God was angry. And anger over what he'd seen that his creation had become, he's like, I'm going to wipe it out. It's kind of like the big do-over. I'm going to wipe it out, and Noah, we're going to kind of start over with you. In a surge of anger, I hid my face Israel, from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, or chesed, I will have compassion. It's just like those days of Noah. Because God did send the flood and it wiped out life as the people of the time knew it. But for a moment. Not for eternity. Not as the new way of being. No, he, said the, he sent the floodwaters waters to purge and clean the earth and to start anew. He did it for a moment. And when he was done, God made a promise. This I will never do again. I almost wonder sometimes if God repented of what he decided when he repented. It doesn't say that in the passage, but it almost feels like that to me. Did God then look at the horror of hiding his face, the horror of the judgment and punishment, the horror of what he did, because God is Ahava, and did it break his heart equally. And he goes to Noah and he's like, I will never do this again. Would never again cover the earth with flood waters." And just like I promised that to the people back then, Isaiah writes, Yahweh says, I have sworn not to be angry with you. Israel never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be moved, yet my, want to guess? Chesed for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be Removed. Do you see some of the slipperiness with the language? In the first passage, Chesed is translated everlasting kindness. In the third paragraph, it's translated unfailing love. The translators working with this amazing word that describes the nature of God, one who is faithful, covenantally faithful, which just means that when God makes a promise, he's faithful to it because God is good and honorable God is trustworthy and of course these promises he's making are are completely flowing from a spirit of ahava or a spirit of love are you starting to kind of feel maybe intuitively a bit more the weight and the impact of what it means that Yahweh is chesed are you with me And this, that no matter what God does, he's chesed. No matter what it seems, God is chesed. No matter what's going on in the moment, God is still chesed. And I love how the Old Testament poets and prophets will put it, and his chesed endures forever. Because here's the thing. Every relationship every relationship has seasons of doubt, doesn't it? Even the best, strongest and most intimate marriages are marked by seasons of doubt. Even the closest friendships and most incon- intimate connections with, with, with other human beings. Be it a boyfriend or a girlfriend, be it it that friend who's like a soulmate, be it a sibling, a parent, a child, it doesn't matter. Every relationship is marked by seasons of doubt. I just don't feel like we're into each other that much anymore. We don't say it out loud, but we're kind of bored in this. or the questions that just kind of come up, I, I just don't think he likes me. I know he says he loves me, but I don't think he likes me anymore. I just don't think we're going the same direction. She makes me so angry. We've had it. The disillusionment, the doubt that has a way of working into every relationship because sometimes we just don't feel the ahava. Sometimes it's not marked by what anyone would label, ahava. are you with me? And this is where God is chesed because it's no different in a relationship with God either. Relationship with God is often marked by seasons of doubt. I just don't feel that close to him anymore. I'm just not into him like I used to be. It doesn't seem like the joy of his presence is really what I remember having once upon a time. Why don't I feel him? Why don't I see him? Why don't I hear him the way I used to? Or I kind of feel like he's out to get me. Why doesn't he answer me? Where is he? Why did he let this happen? Why didn't he swoop down and fix this? Why didn't he come down and heal him? Why didn't he come down and save this? We all have these moments of doubt in a relationship with God. And this is exactly where God's chesed comes in, because there are moments in your relationship with God where it will seem like God has hidden his face. May I even say, probably in most, if not all, of our relationships with God, there are times when God does hide his face. That God does not always become imminently present. That God does not always swoop down. That God does not always save the day, at least not how we want or how we yearn for in the moment. But behind it, you have this promise that though I hide my face for a moment, that my anger surges up for a moment, oh, I am still chesed. I am still chesed to you. Jefferson Befke, I don't know if you've ever listened to him. If not, just hop on YouTube, Google him. He does these short videos that are so telling and poetic and engaging to thinking through not only the Christian faith, but how we live it out in a relationship with God and, and, and certainly in relationships with each other. He has this one that I highly recommend, and I want to make sure I get the title right for you. It's called Sex, Marriage, and Fairy Tales. It'll take you about six minutes to watch or if you do it like me at one and a half speed, 4.30. He has this line in there. I'm just going to read it to you exactly. Talking about this myth that so many of us carry in our relationships with other people, basing our relationships in love, I don't want a show of hands, but how many of you are guilty of rooting your relationship with the people in your life? in love, that love is what defines it, that love is the foundation, that love is what describes it, and that it's all dependent on love. It's short-sighted. It's a myth, it's a fairy tale, and it's why I got to tell you there's so many people that I marry who are so adoringly looking in an altar in each other's eyes who two years later are in divorce court because the love faded away. He has a line that he puts in there. And you have to hear it from him for the cadence, but I'm just going to give you the snippet. It's not love that sustains the promise. It's the promise that sustains the love. Hear it again. It's not love that sustains the promise. It's the promise that sustains the love. Let's start with marriage. You will not always love your spouse. They will not always love you. She will not always be lovable. He will, well, except for me, will not always be lovable. You know what I mean, don't you? Tina knows what I mean. <laughs> it's true, and we don't have to be afraid to admit it. Because a marriage is a covenant, right? What is a covenant? It's a promise. A promise is only as good as the integrity built into it of faithfulness and loyalty to the promise no matter what comes our way. This is why every wedding vow goes like this. For better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, right? It's kind of the no matter what clause. That no matter what I feel about you, it's not our love that sustains the promise, the marriage. No, it's our chesed to one another. Our covenantal faithfulness, our loyalty, our pledge, our commitment, certainly rooted from a place of love, certainly initiated from a place of love, but it's the promise that sustains the love, and it's the same in a relationship with God. I don't know about you. I am the most faithless child of God, you know? Jeez. Jeez. If I could get some external measure on this, like where my faithometer, like my faithfulnessometer would be, it would be embarrassing. You would fire me. Until you got your meter and you saw you were in the same place, <laughs> and then we go commiserate in misery over how just like we are—we're wretches. We are unfaithful people. We are, aren't we? But God is chesed. Despite our unfaithfulness, God is chesed. That despite the fact that we fall out of love, we're in and out of love, we blow with the breeze in our relationship with God, he is chesed to you. And believe me, every relationship is marked by struggle. It is marked by doubt. And every relationship worth having is marked by anger. I don't worry about couples that fight. It can be done wrongly. It can be done excessively. You know what I worry about? I worry about couples that never disagree. Because it says to me that there's someone here who's afraid to speak their mind. There's someone here who's afraid to be honest. Anger is a part of any relationship. It's the same with God. You know, God gets ticked. Let's not beat around the bush. Jesus gets angry too. He does. We hurt him. And when someone close to you or something important is ruined, it makes you mad. And it should. God gets mad. He gets mad. And he gets mad at me and he gets mad at you. Are you kidding me, Dave? Or substitute your name. He gets mad. You know, at times, you know, do you have these moments in, in your, 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 you know, your marriage, your friendships, your relationships, where you just got to walk away for a moment? I don't mean you're packing the suitcase and you're leaving and doing ultimatums and threats. No, you just got to walk away and diffuse because you know it's like this is escalating. You ever have these moments maybe with your kids? You know, fine, fine. You want to do it that way? Fine. And you just... I remember my eighth grade teacher, Mr. Kirshner. He since invited me to call him Vern. I can't do it. (laughs) Because he was my principal and my eighth grade teacher. He taught math. I remember this. I don't know why this stands out vividly. Maybe because he was one of the people instrumental of getting me into becoming a pastor someday. But I remember this vividly. It was eighth grade and we were like doing math homework and I missed the day before or whatever. And he allowed me to kind of use the teacher manual to find out the problems that I needed to do. Now sincerely, I mean this. Absent-mindedly, I, I flipped, and as I opened, I saw that the back had something beautiful. It was titled with two words, Answer Key. <laughs> I'm behind. i got work to do. i got to get this done. I'm sure my grades wasn't stellar. I just didn't care when I was in eighth grade. And I was in the back, and I was looking. Not only for that assignment, but transposing future assignments to come. Now, I consider myself a good friend. When I get into a friendship with people, maybe some of my friends would disagree. Maybe I'm deluded in that, and I'll humbly accept that if I am. Forgive me if I've been less than a loyal or good friend to you. But as a good friend... I decided to do what good friends always do. Yeah, share. <laughs> Remember, my buddy Jason was sitting over there and a couple of others, and look at this. And you know what? And this is what it is. He caught on to it. Not right away, but he caught on to what we're doing because I was horrible at hiding it, right? Because cause, cause when that kind of giddy joy is overflowing in the depth of your soul, it's just hard to contain And I remember him vividly. I remember the scene sitting in that hot, unair conditioned eighth-grade room and Mr. Kirshner looking at me going, fine. You want to cheat? Cheat. Just fine. Do it. Is that what you're going to be? Then just do it. Just take it. The answers are yours. And I think he meant it. It's not what he wanted for me. But he's fed up. teacher I had a good relationship with, and our class had a good relationship with. We get like that in relationships, don't we? God gets like that in relationships. A surge of anger, as Isaiah puts a fine, have it your way. Go with it, but make no mistake. Whatever is happening in the moment, Yahweh is chesed. And God makes a promise of chesedness to us. I'm going to jump to 2 Corinthians and share with you just one final verse that doesn't use the word, but I think describes it beautifully. For those times when you find yourself in doubt about the nature of God and his relationship with you. As surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no, what we feel like in the moment. You know, what? I, you follow what he means? It doesn't fluctuate. It doesn't flip back and forth. It isn't based on convenience. It isn't just what you want to hear. It isn't just what I feel like doing right now, but oh, I changed my mind. I didn't, I didn't pinky swear. I didn't cross my fingers. No, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been Yes, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are chesed, they are yes, they are firm, they are established, they are faithful in Christ. Christ is God's promise to you of a chesedness that endures forever. And so through him, the Hebrew word amen, you know what it means? He's faithful. The declaration He's faithful, is spoken by us because we have seen the chesed of God. May his chesed strengthen you when your relationship with him is weak. May it sustain you when you are in doubt. May it be ever before you, no matter what it is you are facing, as a window into the nature of who Yahweh is.